Um, I think everything's working this morning, right? I haven't messed anything up, pushed the wrong button. So, uh, as you, I don't have to, I, I don't think I have to make you aware of the date and make you aware of the things that we think about on today's date, this September the 11th, and, and this part of the world anyway, maybe even around the world. Uh, I think it's been, what, 21 years ago that the uh, events of the day were pretty horrific and challenging for all of us, surprising, stressful. You go on down the list to name how that went. We lost uh, 3,000, maybe more, after a time has gone by and we've re realized the re real numbers of people who died in the attacks uh, on September 11th. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, okay, do we need to structure the message around the uh, remembrance of this day or should we acknowledge it and continue on with what, whatever we're, we had to preach about? And it turns out that we're going to talk about today's events uh, or the events of today 21 years ago. Not really so much focus on what happened that day, but really focus on how things were and how they felt and people's reaction to what, what had happened and how it is now. You know, because there's a lot of people, there's many people that still remember it as if it was just yesterday. Uh, specifically, those family members that were uh, directly affected by the event. And some of the rest of us who weren't directly affected in our own families really can, re can, can remember it like it was yesterday just because of the different dynamics that had happened, not only was, was it an ev a, a catastrophic event, a tragedy that was senseless and it was deliberate, and a lot of people lost their lives over it, but it was a threat to our own safety and our own freedom. And suddenly, evil and wickedness showed its face into our, all of our lives in that day. And it's not that it, he, it's not that Satan and his wickedness and his evil hadn't ever shown himself to us, but this was obvious. This was in our face, daring us to do something about it. And it was hard to see that in the moment. The reason I know that is because hundreds, if not thousands, or even more than thousands, filled up the churches for the several Sundays following not to really worship God, but because they had a lot of questions about the reality of the wickedness that we all ha could not ignore anymore. Where is God? Why did this happen? Maybe people flocked to the churches to find out how can we be protected by God? Maybe they realized that, okay, life is short and it's not a game. And it's time to get serious. All kinds of different reasons the churches were filled, filled up on those Sundays following. And it was important and it was the right thing to do. And I believe many, many people's lives were changed because they 
encountered God in a great way throughout that tragedy. Throughout the years to follow, they, they were able to see God like they had never seen him before. The reality of his presence, the reality of his lordship, the reality of his creatorship, his involvement in the world and in our lives, they were able to see because they were seeking him. And he was a great comfort and still is to those who seek him. There's others who only think about this event on September the 11th every year. And it never crosses their mind again in between. And I don't believe that's because they're heartless people. I don't believe it's because they don't care or it didn't affect them the same way it did the rest of us. I just believe it's because they're people. And all throughout the history of people that we can learn from throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New, we see over and over and over again where people, God's creation, would fall into wickedness or wickedness would come upon them, God would deliver them, and then they would forget. And then they would, they would praise God, they would be happy about it, joyful and worship Him, and thank Him for His deliverance, His provision, His encouragement, His courage, His strength. But then as time would go by, they would forget him. It's common. It's a, it's a natural thing. It's not right. It's not what God intends. It is not what God desires, but it's what happens. Because if, you, if you're honest with yourself and with God, you cannot, there's no, you, this, this event, this September 11th attack on our nation, on our freedoms, in this world, this event of wickedness that happened does not live in our minds every single day because we have life to live and other things have happened since then. I was thinking to myself as I was thinking about this message and thinking about, okay, where would I go in Scripture that would help us today, 21 years later, with this thing that's a permanent thing in our life, right? Right? It's a permanent situation. It's, a, it's, a, it's filed in there. Whether we look at it or not as a whole, that's between you and the Lord, really. Then I got to thinking, okay, I'm, it, it kind of hurt my feelings as I was messing with this message. I re, I, I, I first, for the first time, I, I thought to myself, I'm a half a century old. I've never said it that way. I don't mind being 50, but I don't know about being half a century <laughs> you know, so I started thinking, and I'm like, okay, 50 years of life have gone by. There's a lot of stuff that has happened in this world over that 50 years. And y'all could say the same thing, how, whatever your age is, however long you've been in this world, surely there are some things that have happened that have made a permanent impression, good or bad, in your heart and in your mind, and, and, and really formed who you are. And you are, you are who you are because of those things. And it could be worldly events or worldwide events or national events or community events or they could be church events or events that happen just within your home or your family. Or they could be so personal, it could be only a traumatizing situation just to you personally. They all have the same effect on the human being. 
they always do, especially the traumatic hard things, the things that are so great and so terrible and seem to be of wickedness and sometimes or many times are, yet we can't escape. We're not immune. Just because we're believers, just because we know Jesus, just because God has forgiven our sins and we have the Spirit of God does not remove us from the exposure to wickedness in the world or hardship or sickness. Right? And every time one of those kinds of things happen in our life, we will do one of two things. We will run to God or we will flee away from God and hide from Him. Right? The good news is God is faithful. Right? And the better news is God is faithful. So here's what's happened over the last 50 years in a brief, this is not totality, it's just a few things. Okay, in 1975, I was four years old, and that was when the Vietnam War was coming to an end and we were getting out of there, right? I have no memory of most of that. Uh, this was a traumatic situation for many people around the world. In 1977, they found Elvis Presley was dead. And it seems silly, doesn't it? But it traumatized a lot of people, didn't it? The whole world stopped because of that. Jim Jones took all his cult followers and committed suicide with them all. It's a traumatic situation. It affected the world. Especially if you, if you realize that Jim Jones started off being a preacher within our churches. And that hits home. Uh, 1981, President Ronald Reagan was shot. As well as the AIDS pandemic was going around the world. It was like everybody was trying to freak out about that, rightfully. It affects a lot of people. Things happen. Now, 1986, I remember this. The Chernobyl explosion happened. That affected the whole world. And then the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded and seven people lost their lives. Devastating. They stopped school before we could watch that, thinking it was a great moment for the world. And it turned out to be a tragedy. Oklahoma City Federal Building was bombed in 1995. Why would that affect me? Because it was all over the news. And we're all sitting back saying, how could this happen in our country? Back in, back in 19, uh, what was it, 1995. Then all of a sudden in 1999, the Columbine school shooting started, which seemed to start off all the rest of them that's happened ever since. It just keeps on, doesn't it? And we all sit back saying, what on earth is going on? Where is God in all of this? And then another space shuttle explodes in 2003, killing all aboard. And then in 2005, Katrina happens and wipes out most of our southern coast devastatingly. And then we get traumatized because it doesn't seem like the government can figure out how to help those people. It was, it was bad. Thousands of people died. Hundreds were homeless. Then there was, there was all kinds of hurricanes and wildfires and earthquakes, tsunamis around the world, all in the early 2000s. And then here we are, 2019, and we're all dealing with COVID. <laughs> Do we think that it's over with in this world? Do we think that this is the last bad thing? I don't. I don't think it is. Now, 
up until now, we're all going to be, if, if I just stop here and say, okay, let's all go home, we're all going to be depressed for the rest of the day, if not the rest of the week, or the rest of our lives even. It's, it's challenging. And this is why people look at the believers and say, why do y'all go worship that God? Why do y'all go do what you do all the time and say he's great when all these bad things are happening all the time? And it is a valid question, isn't it? It is a valid question. During most of these events, here's what the people were asking. Where's God in this? What about God? Does he even exist? Or if he does exist, does he even care? And that's not, these are just world events. I'm not even talking about the community events or the personal events or the events that's happened in each of the churches around the world, the congregations, or even the events in my own personal life. The same as yours. Life is hard. But I think we can find the answer in Psalm 33. Because whenever I'm dealing with hard things that are un, uh, not understandable or don't seem, I can't get my mind wrapped around it for whatever the reason is. It's such a big thing. Whether it's wickedness or just life or the consequences of sin, whatever the case, I'm saying to myself, what, how, how do I find God to help me with this or how do I see God in this? Because that's what a believer does. The true, genuine believer, we don't just say, oh, God must not be real. I must have been a fool the whole time just because something bad happened, which is what Satan would have you do. Satan would have you just bail out on God just because God allows these things to happen in the world. I'm going to read through Psalm 33, and then I'm going to have it on the board verse by verse to break it down. So you're going to have to open up your Bibles or look on your phone if you want to follow along, or you can just listen to what I'm saying. Let me just read it, and then I'll break it down and... I thought this was going to be a shorter message this morning, but you know how it goes. All right, first verse, Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purpose of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purpose of his heart through all generations. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all 
who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Verse 18, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. And then finally, verses 21 to 22, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I told you there was good news. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that the whole, the entirety of Psalm 33 should set you free no matter what's happening in your life if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, if you've repented of your sin, of being an enemy of him, if you've uh, 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 ex- received the gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit in your life, all of Psalm 33 is true for you. And it should be active in your life. So we say, okay, well, sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds really great. But what does it have to do with the tragedies of life and how we feel and what it does to us and the challenges that it presents even to the believers? Because if you're not a believer, it's, it's kind of easy. You just feel bad about it or get mad about it and then try to deal with it the best you can. And maybe it won't consume you, but it most likely will. If you're a believer, you not only have to protect yourself in those ways, but you also have to protect your faith. You have to protect what Jesus did for you by standing firm in who he is. And, and the only way I know to remember God in the middle of hardships, in the middle of challenges or setbacks or confusion or trauma, depression, anything you want to list, is to remember who God is and stand there and let the winds blow. Hello? And I know if I'm sitting down there with y'all, I'm going to be somewhere near the front row, and I'm going to say to myself, yeah, preach it, that is not as easy as saying it. It is not easy to just stand there and let the winds blow and act like nothing's going on. I didn't, I didn't say don't act like nothing's going on. I just said let the winds blow. Trust what we just read to be absolute truth. Let's break it down. Psalm 33, verses 1 and 3. We read earlier, uh, as we were beginning our singing this morning, this, this here is just talking about praising and worshiping our Lord, our Father, the one who sent Jesus to be our Savior, the one who loves us unconditionally, the one who has given us opportunity to be restored to him, even though we've offended him greatly. This is the one we praise and he's worthy. Hello? If we lose our worship, we're already defeated. Right? Because every time we think about September the 11th, 21 years ago, if you're like me, you get mad, you get sad, you get stressed, you get concerned. Because it didn't just happen 21 years ago and it's over. 
what happened then has affected us every day until now and is going to continue to affect us. It changed the way we live in this world. Just like many other situations that have happened in the world or even happened in your life. I've, I've been preaching here and serving with you all for the last four years. And it's, it's been great. But I can tell you I am not the same man that I was when I came here for a lot of different reasons. And neither are y'all. Because life is happening. We live in a world where things happen. Great things happen. Not so great things happen. Really bad things happen. And we're, are we worshiping God? Are we praising the Lord? He's worthy. We sing in a new song. We're, we're singing. We're doing the best we can with what we have. We have our voices. We have our talents. We have opportunity. God's blessed us with a place to come and do that if we want to. We can go to our homes and do it. We can stand out on our porch. We can stand in the street and do it. No one is stopping anybody in this room from doing these things that we see in the first three verses. Sing joyfully to the Lord. Well, I'm not a great singer. Nobody said you have to be great. Sing joyfully. God, God decides whether your worship is acceptable or not. Not the person standing next to you. If they're busy listening to you, they're not singing. It says it's fitting and upright to praise him. Hello? This is a statement. This has all is being said before we ever get to the solution to the stressful situations of life, the hardships, the trauma, the wickedness. It's, this all happens regardless. And we've seen the apostles and the disciples all throughout the New Testament do this. They're being killed. They're being persecuted. They're being put in prison. They're being beaten and covered over with tar, beat up and shoved out of town, and they're still worshiping God. Is that me and you? Is this how we get through? Is this, what, is this how we show the world who God really is? Verse 4, let's get into verse 4 because it gets good now. It gets really good if we're paying attention. Y'all, this is where we stand as the storm blows. It says, Verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Big, fat, holy period at the end of that sentence. That will never change, regardless of what you think, feel, or believe about that statement. That will never change. And I praise the Lord for it, because there's times when I need that to be true. As much as we like to think we're in control of our lives, there's probably about maybe 20% of it we're in really in control of. So we got to have a God who is right and true. When you think about what's going on in our world today, even before the 9-11 events happened, but especially after, truth has been under attack by the people of the world. The world wants us to believe that there is no truth. It doesn't exist. Because they're trying to get rid of God. And God is truth, y'all. It says it right here. 
The word of the Lord is right and true. If you get rid of truth, if you can dismiss truth successfully, not only have you got, gotten rid of God, but you've gotten rid of anything and everything that says that you're wrong. Which would us, uh, lead you to assume that you, you're right in all that you do. Which we, if we study the letter to the Romans, we know that ain't true. Because all have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all wrong, and God is right. This, this helps me overcome, because wh what happens is the human being, when wickedness shows its ugly self in great ways like we've been witnessing, at least for the last 50 years that I know of, it scares us. But if we keep reading these things and get reminded of our God, we will, be, we will be reminded that our God is bigger and better and greater than all of that. And we can stand firm as the wind blows, as the wickedness comes at us with all it has, knowing that God is right and true. And look, it says he is faithful. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. You're, if you were helping us with the VBS for the kids, the, we, we memorize that verse every day for a week because we need our young people to understand that God is faithful and he's working on something and he's going to finish it in their life. And the same is true for each one of you. God is doing a great thing in you. Jesus died for you for uh, more than just for you can be in heaven. It's because God has a plan for you. He wants you to be what he created you to be. He wants you to be his witness. He wants you to be successful on the mission. And he's faithful in all that he does. Even if you feel defeated, even if you feel overwhelmed or afraid, this is true in your life. Even if the whole world comes against you or us as a, as a, as a community or as a family, as a church, or as a nation, if the whole world, all of the world's wickedness comes at us, as long as we stand in God's truth, we can let the winds blow. Verse 5 tops it off, y'all. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. You want to know why everybody was running into the churches 21 years ago and the weeks after? Because they were scared. Death was looking at them in the face. They had never experienced anything like this. They were confused. We, everybody was knocked off of their feet. We wanted justice. We wanted right to be, uh, wrong to be made right. And we needed comfort. We needed love. And it's evidence to me in that just, just that one situation that we are created to run to God, to need God, instinctively run to God when it's all taken away from us. His, see, see, we don't, last week we talked about loving your enemy, right? Which I know is a difficult thing. It's hard. It's, it's a struggle because we want to be paid for what we're owed. And when people offend me, then I have a right to demand restitution. But God says, vengeance is mine. I will handle that. You love. 
You forgive. You want to talk about loving your enemy? On September the 11th, 2001, an impossible, an impossible time to be obedient to God. Didn't it seem that way? Because everybody wanted us to say, let's go do something about this. We're not going to have this. But God says, look, God loves righteousness and justice. God will handle what needs to be handled. You just run to him and live in his love. It never fails. God's love is unfailing. It's perfect. Let's look at verse 6. I'm going to talk about this all day. Check it out. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. Verse 7, he gathers the waters in the sea in the jars. He puts the deep into, right, into storehouses. And then finally, verse 8 and 9, he says, let all, the, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Picture of God, the creator, and his authority over his creation. Now, if you're against God, you don't like that. You don't want that. You reject that. If you are a uh, friend of God, if you're saved, if you're a son or daughter of God, if you're in the blood of Christ, uh, wrapped up in the spirit of God, if you're part of the kingdom, you love this. Now, if if you build something, if you're a builder, wouldn't you think that you have the right to go and inspect what you've built? Right? If you build a house, or if you build a car, or something else, you have the right, every right, to go check it out. See if it's right. See if it's where you want it. See if it's the way you want it. Is it broken? Does it need to be adjusted? You have the right to do that because you're the creator of it. God, the creator of all things created, has the right to inspect all things created. He has the right to look at it and see about it. Because by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. This is his authority as a creator. It says by the word of the Lord. If you remember in Genesis, the creation account, the account of God creating everything, it talks about how he spoke things into existence. God said this and that happened. God said that, and it happened. God inspected this and that and said it was good. Remember that? His very word creates. This is the God that in verse 1, 2, and 3, the the psalmist is saying this is why we should worship him. This is why we should praise him. No matter what's happening in this world that he created, he doesn't change. He get, look, this is how big God is. He gathers all the water and piles it up. All the water in the world, just pile it right up. Reminds me of when I, Mom told me to clean my room and I'd just make a big pile. <laughs> clean. No. But God takes all that's his and can pile it up in a little pile if he wants to. He takes the deepest parts of the, of the, of the universe and he just puts it up in a put it in his, his holy closet if he wanted to. He could do that. This is our God, y'all. Here's how we should react. This is important. If we're going to stand firm in his truth, 
and let the winds of, of life blow, if let the wickedness come at us, then we need to live in verse 8. Let the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him. This is how we stand firm, right? This is when, when, when buildings are falling down and the enemy's coming at us, or when life happens and tragedy strikes or some natural disaster wipes out half of your community, or when tragedy strikes your very family or even your own life. This is how we stand in the middle of those storms in his truth because we fear him and we have reverence for his holiness and understand his greatness and who he is. Isn't it great, y'all? And it's not really just for me to say, look at me, I'm standing firm and I'm not going to fail God. It is about that, but it's not really about that. It's so that the rest of the world who is in the same storm can see God. I think about Katrina when we went down there. The church was the first one to show up and the last one to leave. It's always like that. You think about it. Anytime there's natural disaster or any kind of uh, situation in the world, uh, wars, uh, bombings, whatever, whatever bad thing that can happen, it's always the church that shows up first. Every time. It's always the church that comes in in the middle of the storms of life. And they're always the last one to leave. And if we're not the kind of people that stand in the middle of the storm and let the winds blow because we know who our God is and we're praising him and worshiping him even though things are difficult and they're heartbreaking and whether it's happening to us or someone else and we're there, we're not going to be the witness in that. I don't, I want, I, I, sometimes I wonder how many people, genuine, how many people met Jesus on the Sunday following that September 11th in 2001? Like for the first time. How many people went to church not knowing why they were going, we just got to go to church, we got to get back, we got to get with the, how many people met Jesus and it totally changed their life and they're still serving him today? You see, you see God in the storm there? You see what the Lord is doing. All right, verse, verse 10 and 11 and 12. Something else. Here, this is talking about God's involvement in his creation. He didn't just create and then walk away and watch it from a distance. He's created and now he's involved. Look, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purpose of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who he, choose, he chose for his inheritance. Great, great words, isn't it? Great, great words for the Christian, for the believer, for the people of God, for the kingdom of God. Great truth to stand in. Because no matter who comes against us, no matter who comes against you, no matter who comes against the kingdom of God, it says that God foils the plans. Foils. That, that word always takes me back to my younger days of watching cartoons on Saturday morning. One of the bad guys like, ooh, foiled again. To me, foil is Reynolds wrap. <laughs> it's just a funny word. But it means that God disrupts. God totally intersects and totally changes the plans of the wicked. They will not succeed. 
the enemy. It's a guarantee. No matter what happens, no matter how bad it is, no matter how much pain and suffering there is, God will see this to the end, and it will not win. Here's, my, here's the best part of the whole psalm. In verse 11, the plans of the Lord stand firm. How long? How long is forever, y'all? Can't, can't measure it. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. We can, we can understand this on a, a, a kingdom level. Throughout eternity, past and eternity, future, the, the whole plan of God, and we can praise God and sing hallelujah about that. We can see that as a worldly thing and apply it to that. What was the purpose of God creating the world in the first place and all of mankind? And we can see the gospel message and we can see how that's going to be the way it's supposed to be and praise God and sing hallelujah about that. But then we get into maybe the wickedness that comes against our community or even our church for that matter, our congregations. Many congregations just like us trying to, trying to make it happen, trying to serve the Lord, trying to make disciples, trying to seek the Lord for wisdom and how to do whatever it is he wants us to do and honor him so that people will get saved. I think that's the mission. I think that's the plan of God, seeing as how he instructed us to go into the world and make disciples, yeah? How can we lose when we live in verse 11? The plans of the Lord stand firm. The plan of God is for his church to go into the world and love people for the sake of making disciples. That's what the church is going to do. And any congregation, ours or any other congregation, who are not doing that or refusing to do that, then I guess we're not involved in God's plan. That, that, that's the reality of it. I think we here at this, this congregation, our hearts are all about trying to do this for God. We're trying so hard to do this. We're trying to figure it out. We're getting stressed out about, okay, we need to fall in line with the Lord here. We want to see great things. Think about it. Y'all that have been here in this church for however long you've been here, when you were down the road, there was a lot more folks down there, wasn't there, back in those days. And I've read the history books of this church. And I've, I've read it and, and w was amazed at what God was doing over those years of the history of this church. You can see that God was blessing the efforts and the people that were serving in this congregation. And how we ended up from over there to over here and being blessed the way we're blessed now is amazing to me to see what God has done with what? With faithful people who trust him who trust that his plan will last forever. His plan will stand firm forever. His plan for your life, his plan for this congregation, and every other congregation, his plan for the kingdom of God in this, on this planet will stand. So what are we worried about? Because sometimes the storms come and they're subtle. Right? Right? Sometimes you don't realize you're in a storm until you're in it or until the effects of it have gone by or until you've well into it and then you realize, okay, there's some effects going on. Things change. 
your life changes. Congregations change. Communities change. When y'all, when y'all, when y'all, when the Lord led y'all to move yourselves over here and serve the Lord in this particular area of the world, this little pepper speck of the world, I understand that y'all were saying we got to move closer to society. We got to move closer to the community. Well done. <laughs> you you done that. You kind of met them halfway, didn't you? We got so many people moving around here. It's it's it's, it's un, it seems unima- it's, it's like unmanageable. We have to think that God's plan is still in motion. We have to think that whatever God was doing then, he's still doing now. And we can either look at this as a storm or a hardship or a challenge, or we can look at this as this is the Lord and his will standing firm. This is the Lord accomplishing what he sets out to accomplish with those of, uh, 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 of his kingdom that are faithful. The purposes of his heart, of God's heart, what God desires, happens throughout all generations. It doesn't skip generations. We have to learn that lesson, especially in today's world where it seems like more and more generations are falling away from God. It seems like none of the younger, and I'm saying this as, as a guilty person of saying this sometimes, that seems like none of the younger generations care about God, but it's not true can't be true because I read it right here in scripture where God says his will will happen in all generations and his will is that the church would go and be the church and love people and love him and disciples will be made so we have to adjust we have to stand firm in the truth then we then we take verse 12 and I'm going to try to wrap it up we take verse 12 and we it's, and we apply it the way it sounds and I think it applies that way, but I don't think it's what the psalmist intended. Because the way it sounds is, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Could be applied to any nation in the world, couldn't it? And I think it does apply that way. I don't think it's what the psalmist intended, though. Because he says, comma, says, the people he chose for his inheritance. The nation the psalmist is talking about is talking about the nation of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God. That's what he's referring to. Because here's the truth, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying this, <laughs> I'm, I'm really not trying to be ugly to no American citizen. This psalmist knew nothing about America when he wrote this song. But way too many Americans are trying to apply this and say this is what God says about America. No. It applies to America. It applies to England. It, it applies to any other nation in the world but it mostly applies to those who are saved because not every american is saved and not every american will reap the blessings from this truth because they have not received jesus as lord and savior it's all about the kingdom it's all about living in the kingdom first and letting the lord lead us verse 13 here we go we're moving on verse 13 to 15 from heaven the Lord looks down. Here, this is good. This is going to bring us some comfort, and we're going to close it down. From, hev- from, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth, he who forms the hearts of all. This, look, y'all. This is, remember, I said God, the creator, has the right to inspect what he created. Nothing you do or nothing you're about or nothing in your heart is hidden from God. 
He knows about it. He sees it all. He comes in. It's, this is not like a military inspection, y'all. He's not looking at people and saying, line up, let me check you out and see if you're doing what. No. He's looking to see what needs to be fixed, what's broken. Because he wants it to be the way he intended it to be. You and me, people. He's inspecting because he cares. Just like any of us who had children, we're all the time looking at our children. Okay, everything's here, everything's working, nothing wrong. Especially little boys that go out, you let them go out and play and they come back and it's like, you don't even know if they're going to come back to start with. And if they do, they're, they're bound to be bleeding from somewhere. So you have to do an inspection. Like, is everything good? Am I about to go to the hospital? That's God. That's God, y'all. He knows what we're going through. He knows what was happening 21 years ago. He was right there in the middle of it all. And he knew exactly how you felt. And he knew, he'd, and the same is true for every other situation that you've ever gone through and ever will. This is our God. He's our God. He's the kind of God that is so involved that he knows the, the minute details that we don't even know about ourselves. Look at verse 16. No king gets all serious here. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes, excuse me, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all its great strength it cannot save. When are we going to learn when are we going to learn that this world and most of everything in it is way bigger than we are? This, these two verses are describing the heart and mind of people. We have this in us that we are to maintain self-control and be able to defend ourselves and overcome the challenges and claim victory over that which challenges us and never can be weak. But let me tell you, it wasn't until I realized just how weak I really am and how pitiful I really was that I realized that I needed someone bigger than me in charge of this. Little did I realize in that moment how great this God really is. I went from knowing and learning how pitiful I am to realizing how big and awesome he is. That's why Psalm 33 and other psalms exist. Because other men, other people, have experienced the same thing and they're overwhelmed and it comes out of them and we get to read about it. And God gets to use it to help us learn about Him and be reminded of who He really is. We can't save ourselves, y'all. Not from the real problem. Because wicked things happen and bad events happen and hurricanes happen and sickness happens because of sin. Because sin came into the world. Now the whole world is contaminated. And we're living in it. And the only way to escape is God. The only way to escape is the, 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 the avenue that God provided, which is Jesus on the cross. And faith in that. Repentance. Surrendering to his kingdom. Isn't that great, y'all? It's the gospel message. All right, let's, look, let's, let's get through verse 18 and 19. It says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. Here, we're back to what we got to do. We're back to where we got to stand. 
the eyes of the Lord, the blessing of God, the hand of God is on those who fear him and those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Right? If it wasn't for that statement, I would have quit preaching two years ago. It's a true statement. Right? That's just me personally. Because of that, time in my life was not great. But we have to stand in the storm on the truth of God. Whether I felt it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether the world feels it or not, whether the kingdom of God and its servants feel it or not, this is true about God. His, his love is unfailing. His current, what, what you get from him is overwhelming. Cannot be, you can't find it anywhere else. You can't buy it. You can't make it. You're not going to stumble across it. It's, it's in him. And his eyes are on those who recognize him for who he is. That's what fear of the Lord is. That's what reverence for God is. Twenty-one years ago, probably millions of people, for the first time in their life, had to, com- had to understand and learn what it's like to completely surrender to this God. Or they weren't going to make it. That's how bad it was. They weren't going to make it. They were out of resources to manage this on their own. And, and they probably didn't even know that that's what they were doing. They just threw their hands up and said, I can't do it. I can't take it. It's, too, it's way too much. And because God sees, he steps in. And then we're along for the ride, y'all. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? All of us have stories that we can tell about things that happened to us years and years ago that were really traumatic and life-changing, and we really thought it was the end of our world. But here we are, years and years later, in a whole different place because of God and His involvement in our life. We are who we are because of Him, because of His unfailing love. God never stops loving you, no matter how you feel, think, or what you do. He never stops loving you. Verse 19 says he loved to, it's, it's to deliver them from death and keep them alive in, in, in famine. Scripture challenges Satan, says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Is that all you got? <laughs> if you're in Christ, if you're, if, you're, if you're a believer and you're saved by the blood of Christ and you're living in the grace of God, that's how you can stand in the storm. Not arrogantly, but worshiping God, saying, Look, I'm, I'm with the Lord, y'all. So y'all do what you got to do. I love you and the Lord loves you, but we're standing right here in this truth. doesn't matter what you say. The whole world can crumble and fall to pieces because people are rejecting God, but the kingdom of God, the church of God, the believer will still be standing there. In Jesus' name. Y'all see where we're going? All right, I'm, I'm working on it, y'all. Here we are. Here's our response to all of this, and I'll let, I'll let us go. This is the answer to the questions that people were asking. 
and that we always ask, what about God? Is God real? Does he even care? Why would he allow this? This is, this is what we do. All of this Psalm 33 is what, what the answer is. And here's the reaction of those who believe, those who surrender. We wait in hope for the Lord. That's not the answer you were looking for in the middle of your problem, is it? Just wait for God. I'm telling you right now, there were times in my life where I didn't want to wait for God. I wanted relief right now. I wanted consequences to go away right now. But I'm not in charge. God's in charge of this. We wait for God. We hope in the Lord. We wait for his hope, what he promised. How many of y'all are waiting for Jesus to be back? How many of y'all are waiting eagerly for Jesus? One day, I mean, if you're like me, you can watch the news and be like, man, this is a good time for Jesus to come back. But then that spiritual battle goes on in your heart, and it's like, but wait a minute, there's some people that I know that aren't saved. So let's just hold off a little bit. Right? And there's times when I'm just done being in this world. I'm just like, you know what? This ain't the way it was in 1976. <laughs> I could ride my bike anywhere in the world all by myself and not worry about evil people and wicked things. And my parents didn't care. They didn't have to care because it was safer then. It ain't like that now. And it's worse now because children are not only in that kind of danger, but they're in danger mentally and spiritually. That's what we're facing. So we wait and hope for the Lord. He's our help. He's our shield. He's, he gives us what we need. He protects us when it's time to be protected. And it's in, our, it's in him our hearts rejoice. They could come and do whatever they want to do to this church building or to my home or to your home. As long as, as, long as we have the Lord, we win. Not what we want, but they could do it. We can learn from reading the book of Daniel, can't we? The Lord will deliver us, but as, if he doesn't, he's still God. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, you're getting ready to turn the furnace up, and you're getting ready to burn to, to nothing, and you're just like, okay, God will deliver me, but even if it's not his will to do that, then let's still worship him, still praise his name. Guess what happens in the fire? They're in there praising the Lord, with the Lord. Does your heart rejoice on a regular basis? Do, do you trust in him? Do you put your hope in him in all things? We trust in his holy name. Remember, he spoke things into existence. Uh, we read where Jesus is uh, in Colossians. Jesus is the one that holds all of creation together. Creation was created for him, and he holds it all together. It's his name that, that gives us all of this. Look, this is our prayer this morning. As we remember what happened 21 years ago, as we remember all of the things that have happened throughout the years in our lifetime, in our personal life here in the church, the struggles we have, the hardships, the storms of life, our prayer is, that, is this, that may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. That's where we have to stand. That's where we have to end up. As we, as a church, move forward and try to continue to serve God well and depend on his plan to be his plan, to be faithful, to be able to do the things that 
he set in motion for us to do. I was talking to a young lady just, just a couple weeks ago about uh, uh, life and about the new ideas that the world is throwing at young people that may not be the best thing. And I was explaining to this young lady, do you believe that God has been doing things in your life since you've known him? Do you believe that God has been helping you grow spiritually since you've known him? Do you believe that the things that your Christian parents taught you about God are what they believe are true? And the answer to those questions were yes. So then why would we question what he's done and why would we think that he wouldn't finish what he started? Yeah? Here we are, church, remembering a day where some tragedy happened and it's proper to remember, but it's not proper to forget God. Because I look back on this day 21 years ago, and I reflect on all the great things God did in all of that. And how we all got to see God in special ways. And how he showed himself. All because we ran to him and asked him what's going on. And I'm saying to you, whatever's happening in your life, Whatever you're dealing with, whatever's overcoming you, whatever you're scared of, whatever's defeating you, whatever's pulling you away from God, whatever's attacking you, let's go ask God what to do about it. Let's run to God. Because I know that he's got great things in store for those situations. It's hard to believe some of these situations we're dealing with. Everybody in this room have had life happen, right? And it's hard to look at that and say, God's going to do something with that. Right? But let me, let me ask you this, and then I'll quit. If God could take one of your tragedies and bring someone to salvation, would it be worth it to go through that storm? think about all the people that knew Jesus and walked with Jesus and were his family members and they just watched him be beaten and crucified. You want to talk about a tragic situation. Traumatic situation. A world changing event. And look what's come about. You and I are saved because of that. Isn't it great? We have the best thing there is. And I say we just stand in his holy name and trust him. Put all our hope in him and just continue to live your life praising him. Giving him the glory. That's how people see God. When we're singing, we should have the doors open and the neighbors should hear us sing. Just what I think. I'm going to pray. If you have a decision to make for the Lord, if you're not saved, um, you're kind of on your own. And that's going to lead to uh, eternity without God you got storms going on or even if you don't you should run to him because everything we just read about and studied is available let's stand together and we'll sing and then we'll have uh, some prayer and be dismissed